All right, let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, we thank you for the privilege to come this morning to look into your word. We ask that you will guide my words, that they will be your words, and that it will be a blessing to everyone that is here. We ask that you will minister to everyone according to their needs. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. Um, mostly what I'm going to be doing this morning is declaring scriptures. Because I believe as Christians or as people, we're supposed to live on promises and not explanations. Because God's word is powerful. It does the job. I mean, I'll say a few things along the way, but for the most part, the scriptures speak. And God can accomplish what he needs to accomplish in our lives. So what that means is that I have lots of scriptures. So, and the reason why I'm putting it up there is not so that you don't open your Bible. It's so that I can get through them within the time that I have. So if you like to open, keep opening. If you like to write it down, keep writing it down. If you like these slides, when it's over, you can get it. So, <clears throat> all right. Looking unto Jesus, or looking to Jesus. I've, I started this um, last year, I believe. And then continued uh, early this year, and hopefully we can finish it today. So why Jesus? Oh, technology, forgot. Supposed to do this, right? Good. I thought the best place to start is to think in terms of who we are and what Jesus has done. Very familiar passage, but it needs, it's worth repeating. Romans chapter 3. Verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everybody by nature, by act, is a sinner. There's no exclusion. So there, is, there are no good people that don't need God's grace. All have sinned. But then it adds, in the Romans 6.23, it says, for the wages of sin is death. That's what you get as a consequence of sin. Eternal separation from God. That's what that means. They says, but the gift of God is what? Eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. No life without Christ. And without Christ, there is no eternal life. Now, I feel there's a need to always stress this because we don't know where people are at. Some in our midst are not believers. And they need to be told of the need for salvation. But John 3.16, very famous, but very appropriate and always relevant, never outdated or out of fashion, says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only and one and only son that whoever believes in him 
shall not perish but have eternal life. So you have something to do. If you want to have eternal life, you have to do what? Believe. God cannot impose it on you. In other words, you are doomed to die and spend eternity in hell without believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, regardless of your good works or whatever thing you are leaning on. So God's gift for eternal life is the Lord Jesus Christ. And what you need to do as a person is to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, to have eternal life. I can't believe for you. You can't believe for me. We can't believe for you. Everyone has to make the choice of believing for themselves. This is important because even if you were to gain the whole world, which is not possible, the Lord Jesus said, what will it profit you to gain everything in the world? Think of the best that life can offer. And you happen to get that. He says, what shall it profit a man to get all of that but to lose his soul? Now, if you are not a Christian, this message is for you. And I felt that I have to start there because I don't know where people are at. The need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Why Jesus? Because he's the only one that can give eternal life. No other person can give eternal life. So that's the first point that we need to make, and it's very important. Looking on to Jesus. This is where we stopped the last time. Revelation 22 from verse 12 to 13. Jesus says, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. If you were here when I spoke on the first Sunday of 2018, this popped up. And so I review briefly what I said that day. And then I'll add. I said I had four points, but I only preach on two. And the two were that Jesus is the eternal God. That's what the Bible says. He's the all-sufficient God. Those were the two points that I spoke on that day. And I'm going to add two today. He's God's final word. And also, he's the ultimate victorious one. As I heard them say, oh, victory in Jesus, victory, I said, these people are, John would say something like stealing my thunder. I said, well, it means God wants this message to percolate from breaking of bread till the end of the day, that victory is only found in Jesus. In fact, those scriptures that we quoted this morning, some of them will show up here. It simply means to me, as I listened and sat there, I said, the Lord wants us to have this, to know this, and to take this in. All right. Jesus is the eternal God. That's what I said or preached on the last time. And the primary passage that was used was Hebrews and Colossians. Hebrews tells us that Jesus has an eternal throne. That his priesthood is forever. That his sacrifice is forever. That 
the fact that he died for us on the cross is the only sacrifice that is needed for sin. There's no more sacrifice needed for sin. And also that his existence is forever. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the all-sufficient God. Perhaps we should read Colossians, a few of those verses. Colossians 1.16 says, For by him, him being the Lord Jesus Christ, all things were created. That are in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And the emphasis that there was on the word all. When you say all, it means what? Nothing is excluded. That means the best minds, the greatest scientists, whoever you can think of as the best human beings, they were created by the Lord Jesus Christ. Or if you are impressed with the stars and the galaxies, whatever impresses you, they were created by him and for him, and they exist for him. And then we are told that he sustains all things, he's above all things, and he has all wisdom. There is no wisdom outside of Christ because he is the one that has all wisdom and is God. So we stress this the last time, and now we have to go to what we have today. I didn't want to spend so much time on that that we end up living at eight. Uh, 12.30 and then you say he's come again. So I just wanted to summarize what we did before and then we can move on to the new stuff. Jesus is God's final word or is God's word. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. Alpha is the Greek letter for the first alphabet. A, if you like. The Greek letter. Alpha is the beginning letter. And omega is the last letter in the Greek alphabet. So when Jesus says, I am the alpha and the omega, he's simply saying, I am God's final word. That's what he's saying. Now what do you do with letters? With letters, you can construct sentences and words. And with words, you know, put together, you're able to communicate. So Jesus Christ is the word, the word of God. I like to keep it simple. In Hebrews chapter 1 from verse 1 to 2, we are told that God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophet, has in these last days spoken to us by his son. He speaks to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. Prior to now, he spoke through prophets, but in these last days, he is speaking to us through his son. And so I want you to understand, if you want to understand God, you must know the Lord Jesus Christ. There are so many people trying to understand God outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not possible, because God is speaking to us in these last days through his son. Is God's final word to the world. So Jesus reveals to us who God is. The mind of God, the heart of God, and the desires of God. 
And in John chapter 1, verse 1 to 2, we are told, we read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It was in the beginning with God. The Word himself being the Lord Jesus Christ, and we are told in John 1, 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Now notice John chapter 1, verse 18. What it says. I'm showing, you know, let's read this one. It says, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God. Do you notice that? Who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. The Lord Jesus Christ the visible manifestation of God. He explains God. Now, <laughs> he's the alphabet of God's revelation. Now, I'm sure you know that when Jesus was on earth, he said many things in words and in acts. And often the words that he spoke were not ordinary words, they were words filled with power. In fact, on one occasion he says, the word that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Because they always produce results. And so, I'm going to at least show you a few of them shortly, just to remind you that Jesus is no ordinary man and is God's final word. On one occasion, in John chapter 14, Philip said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? You have seen me, has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? What we draw from this is that Jesus is God's alphabet of grace, revealing the heart and mind of God that we might know him and become more like him. If you want to know God, get to know the Lord Jesus Christ better. If you want to know the mind of God, what God's plan is, make sure that you fall in love with the word of God and with the Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot know God outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is important. All right. While Jesus was on earth, I like to you know, demonstrate some of these things sometimes with examples because Jesus was not an ordinary man. He was God revealed in the flesh. On one occasion, they had a wedding and they ran out of wine. And then his mother went to him and said, there is no wine. I'm sure you know the story. I'm very sure you know the story. And then he spoke to his mother, and then the mother looked at the people and gave them an instruction. He says, whatever he says to you, do it. That is a great word for all of us. Whatever the Lord Jesus says to you, do it. And so the people listened to him. So Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. Just said, put the pots or the, what we will call them. In Nigeria, we call them jerry cans. But I don't know what you call them here. 
what would kegs? Is that what it is? Yeah, I'm trying to figure out what you call barrels that has water. Barrels, okay, big barrels. <laughs> <laughs> all right, say so fill it with water. That's all he said they should do. And I'm sure somebody stood there and said, hmm, science tells us we need to fill it with water, put sugar, then put yeast, leave it for 200 or 20 days for it to ferment, and then the wine will come up. And this, there are some scientific minds that will say we need maybe a few days and leave it there for it to ferment. And those that were not as scientific at that time just simply obeyed what he asked them to do. And then when they do that, he says, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. Friends, I want you to think about this. You fill it with water, and he says, draw the water out. And then take it to the master of the feast. To me, it seems like a foolish act to put water in and then take water out to the master of the feast. Why couldn't just, you just put water in a cup and then take it to the master of the feast? But the mother said, whatever he says to you, do it. And when they drew it out and then took it to the master of the feast, what happened? You need to read the next verse. It says the, the wine that they received at the end was better than what they started with. And so the master asked, what happened? Why did you keep the best wine for the last? Why didn't you bring it at the beginning? The reason is they didn't talk to the Lord at the beginning. So Jesus Christ, when he speaks, he speaks God's word. His words are meaningful. And they are God's word. On another occasion, a noble man came to him in John chapter 4. And then he came to him after meeting Jesus. He said, my son is sick and my son is on the threshold of death. And so Jesus says, and so he, said, he spoke to Jesus and said, sir, the man said to Jesus, sir, come down before my child dies. I want you to come and heal my son, but come down before he dies. And what did Jesus say? Jesus said to him, go your where your son lives. Again, we spoke about a little bit of science yesterday. This seems extremely foolish for somebody to just say, go. Your son lives. Your son is many miles away. You want him to come down. And all that he can offer you is, go, your son lives. And so the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servant met him and told him, saying, your son lives. No ordinary man. His word is power and his life. Whatever he says to you, do it. And one of the things he says to you is to believe and to trust. So, let's keep going. There was another man that was sick for 38 years. Actually, I was going to preach a whole message on this man and I will still do. But I thought... For the purpose of this message, at least we can bring him in. This man was sick 
for 38 years. And he was sitting by the pool, hoping that somebody would put him in the pool. Now the passage is there so that you can read the details and so that he will recover. And then Jesus, out of mercy, went to this man and met him at the point of his need. And so Jesus asked him, what's going on? Why are you sitting there? And he said, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool. Because he was hoping that when they put him in the pool, he would recover. And then Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed, and walk. He's been sick for 38 years. He's been sitting by the pool, hoping that somebody will put him in the pool. And the Lord Jesus showed up and said, rise, take up your bed, and walk. I'm sure in the modern day, if you were there, you'd probably say he's not sensitive. He should know that this man has been crippled for 38 years. But the Lord spoke. And like Mary said, whatever he says to you, do it. The man arose and he went home carrying his uh, crutches. And of course, the Pharisees were upset because it was on the Sabbath day. Jesus Christ is God's word revealed. His words are no ordinary words. They are filled with power so that we may know that he is God. And then on another occasion, John chapter 9, verse 6 to 8. There was a man that was born blind. Now, I'm leaving you with these passages. Most of the passages you've realized this morning, at least the one I've started with, they're in the book of John. Hint, hint. That means start reading John. You will see more about Jesus Christ. I'm trying to encourage you to go in and delve into hints. You know, just read John some more. So this man was born blind. And when he met Jesus, Jesus asked him to go and wash in a pool. The story is very fascinating, very interesting, very interesting story. And the man just obeyed. He went and washed and came back seeing. Now I'd like to ask you a question. Have you ever seen any other man that tells a blind man to go and wash somewhere? And then he will see. I believe there is no such person. They don't exist. In fact, if they were exist, the, what do you call them? The, the eye surgeons, they will be out of business. They don't exist. It's only the Lord Jesus Christ that could do this. And John tells us that these things are written so that we may believe. They are written so that we may look at Jesus and say, Wow, he's different. He's no ordinary man. So he's God's word. And that's what I'm trying to point out to you. What else? This is probably the most fascinating of all. When a man is dead and buried for four days. And the sibling said, if you have been here, this would not have happened. And Jesus spoke. We read, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, 
come forth. I am sure in the crowd there were skeptics that stood there and said, why is he screaming? The probably people that say he's out of his mind. Because it never happened before. But Jesus cried with a loud voice. And the Bible says, and he who had died came out, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was wrapped with the clothes. Jesus said to them, lose him and let him go. His words are no ordinary words. God's word, powerful words, lively words, words that restores and gives hope. That's why we need to go to the word. I don't have it in my song set, but you're going to add it because we are going to sing it. Ancient words. So it's coming. Because he doesn't have it yet, he's going to put it in. So I'm, t- I'm talking to the guy at the back. <laughs> to add the word, you know, bring it up, ancient words. All right, so Jesus is God's word. What does this mean to us as believers? Why are we saying all this? Somebody will say, I already know all of this. I'm looking for something new. God's word is always new, always fresh, always relevant, and always useful. It's never outdated or old-fashioned. And so, on another occasion, Jesus spoke, and some people left. And so Jesus turned to the disciples and said, do you also want to go away and leave me? This is the response that I love very much. And this is the response I want you to see. But Simon Peter answered him and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? Whom can we compare you with? Where is the alternative outside of you? And the answer is, there is no other person. To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. My encouragement to you is to draw closer to the Lord Jesus Christ, to draw closer to his words, to feed on him so that your faith might be strengthened and so that you will be increased, so to speak, in your faith and your relationship with him. Is God's final word. Do we have ancient words? We do? Let's sing. Ancient words. Standing as you're able, let's sing.
words of life, words of it give us strength, help us grow in this world where we roam. Ancient words will guide us. Ancient words ever true, changing me and changing you. We have come with open hearts, oh let the ancient words sing holy words of our faith. seated thank you all right ancient words ever true the Lord Jesus Christ is God's final word and so we need to feed on the word of God if we are going to draw closer to God and have victory finally the final point is the ultimate victorious one I heard so much about victory this morning during the breaking of bread, and I was wondering who went to talk to the guys about the passages. But then I sat there and I thought to myself, you know, the Lord wants us to hear this over and over again because he knows that we need it. And so I was glad that the message was being preached before I showed up. Very good. In Revelation chapter 22, Jesus said, Behold, I come quickly. By the way, that's the last chapter in the scriptures. It says, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. I am, Jesus said, Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Alpha and Omega also means Jesus is the ultimate victorious one. That's what it means. Because he started things in the beginning and he went in the end as well. It means that whatever Jesus starts, he will finish it. Revelation reveals this to us. In Genesis, there was creation of heaven and earth. In Revelation, we have creation of a new heaven and a new earth. And whatever God starts in our lives as well, he will finish it. 
In Genesis, man or man fell into sin. Jesus Christ is Alpha and Omega. In Revelations, believers are delivered from the presence of sin forever. Whatever he starts, he will finish it. Revelation is the completion of Genesis. If you were only to look at Genesis, you would think that God's master plan has been derailed. That Satan has taken over, conquered the world, and taken men captives, and that's the end of the story. But Revelation is telling us that that is not the end of the story. It's telling us that Jesus will win and is the ultimate winner. When we begin with him at Alpha, we will end with him at Omega. What God starts in our lives, he will finish. So don't despair. You know, when you feel that the road is rough, the road is rugged, okay, is there any hope? Don't forget, he that has begun a good work in you will complete it. Whatever he has started in your life, ultimately, he will finish it. Because he never tires. He's never weary. He's not exhausted. He's the one that has ultimate victory and ultimate energy, if you like. Jesus, the ultimate victorious one. I believe on the day that they nailed him on the cross, the chief priest, the high priest, Pilate, Herod, and all the haters of the Lord Jesus Christ says, away with this man. This is the end. And so those that were close to him were crying, shedding tears, saying, we will not see him again. Oh, we've lost him. And I could see the women going to look for him. In Matthew chapter 28, we are told, but the angels answered and said to the women, do, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. The grave that you are looking at is the wrong place to look for him. He is not here. He is risen, as he said. Come and see the place where the Lord lay. He is not here, but he's risen. I remember as a young child, we sing this song. It says, do you know why I believe in Jesus? Do you know why? Because after three days... He rose from the dead. I have never seen a man. Have you seen one? That rose from the dead like Jesus Christ. There is none. The most eloquent, the richest, or whatever you want to ascribe to them, the best scientists, they all fall at the feet of death. But Jesus conquered death, and that's what makes him unique. The ultimate victorious one. And then in... The same Luke chapter 24, I like this verse so much. Sometimes when things are rough, you know, I think about it. Why do you seek the living among the dead? This can be said of every religious leader. They're all dead and gone. So to seek the living, the Lord Jesus Christ among them is a waste of time. So the angel asked the women, why do you seek the living among the dead? The living being the Lord. He's not here. Is risen. He conquered death. And he conquered death for us. 
So he's the ultimate victorious one. Oh, the apostles put it best. He says, in Acts, you have crucified and put him to death, whom God raised up, having loosened the pains of death, because it was not possible, not possible for death to hold him captive. I'm sure death tried. But how could you hold him captive, the one that created life? It's impossible. And so they put it best. And Revelation chapter 71, verse 17, Jesus himself is speaking to John. And he says, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive for how long? Forevermore. And he adds, and I have the keys. The keys of life and of death. Life without Christ is a hopeless end. And that's why you need him. The one that lives forevermore. The ultimate victorious one. What does this mean to us? I heard this verse repeated this morning. And then I remembered my friend David Hansen. He says, death is swallowed swallowed up in victory. So I like to read this passage as we close this morning, as we think on the Lord Jesus Christ as believers. He says this, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. And we will be changed for this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable will put on the imperishable, and this mortal will put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But, but, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then it charges us with this command. It says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. Be steadfast. Unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing this, your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Jesus is the ultimate victorious one. So we are in the right team. If you have the Lord Jesus Christ, you are guaranteed victory. We tell a story and then we'll sing a song. Do you know this song? Is it in the book? Victory in Jesus. Do you know it was in the book? And so we are going to sing it shortly. We were asked that this morning if you were there. So, if you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> anyway, there was a janitor in one of the seminaries. And he was reading the book of Revelation. And if you, are, if you have studied the Bible, you'll find that the book of Revelation is not the easiest to read. So the man was unschooled, uneducated, and was reading the book of Revelation. And one of the professors... Uh, walked by and said, 
Do you understand what you are reading? He says, yes. So he asked him, what are you reading? He says, from what I can see here, he says that Jesus is the ultimate winner. That's what revelation is. And that we are in the winning team. And the professor walked by and said, that is the best commentary I've ever heard on the book of Revelation. Behold, I come quickly, he says, and my reward is with me. He is the only person that could make that claim, that died and can make that claim. He's the Alpha and the Omega. And so, friends, Jesus is the eternal God. Jesus is all-sufficient. Jesus is the word of God, and Jesus is the victorious one. And when you put your life in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ, you've put it in the right place. You cannot lose. You're in the winning team. So victory in Jesus. Gabriel said we should sing it. Let's go for it. (laughs) For all of life. Thank you, Lord, for your son, the ultimate victorious one, and the one that gives us victory. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.